Hello and welcome back to the stories that brought you here. It's the podcast dedicated to the stories of the people from Pender Island, British Columbia. Once again, I am your host, Chris Wakaluk, and I'll be sitting down in one-on-one hour-long conversations with current Pender Island residents to hear the stories that brought them to this talented little island we live on, and to also hear the stories that brought them to the point that they're at in their lives right now. Today, I'll be speaking with Steve LaRouche. Now, if you know Steve, like I know Steve, then you're going to know him as that incredibly amazing, wonderful actor you've seen in numerous solstice plays over the years. Well, we're going to get to hear Steve talk about his experiences doing that along with a heck of a lot more. We're going to get to hear Steve talk about how he met his wife of 31 years, Donda. And he'll also talk about how he and she both were involved in the creation of the Lantern Festival. Steve will also talk about his experience growing up as a self-proclaimed army brat and living overseas. As well, he will talk about the importance of the sense of community he's found on this island. That and a heck of a lot more in a pretty amazing little interview here. And just a couple notes before we get started. If you are an avid listener of this show, thank you. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I've uh, I've backed off on doing some episodes for the time being just to allow myself some time to work on some other projects for the summer. So you're going to find a few episodes trickling out through the summertime, but I'm going to rev it back up again in the fall. As well, I just wanted to mention that uh, I was using the basement studios as a place for my in-laws to sleep. And I changed up the configuration in here. I put some artwork on the walls with some glass on it. I took some furniture out and then I realized, whoa, that actually really made the sound really hollow. So if you detect a lower than usual sound quality on this episode, that's the reason why. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still a great interview. And yeah, I feel really fortunate and lucky to have an opportunity to do these things. And it uh, it really means a lot to get a chance to invite people to my home and have conversations with them, not just during the interview, but before and after. And I've known Steve for years, and uh, it was a really wonderful time we had together connecting. It really, really was great. So I hope that uh, comes across in the interview here. And without further ado, here's my interview with Steve LaRouche. Here we go. We're rolling. We're on. Okay. Steve, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Right on. We're, uh, we're gathered here, the two of us, on a uh, Sunday afternoon in uh, the middle of summer here. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, actually, I didn't even ask you yet, but how's your, how's your morning been so far? Actually, pretty good. Yep. Yeah, I went to the car show yesterday. had a good time. That was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I had my brother over. Jeez, he hadn't been over here for a while, but uh, we had a great time. It was cool. Okay. <laughs> what, what was going on at the car show? Uh, actually, they had the uh, the pipers there, which was nice. They had food, drinks, and everything like that. But uh, they have some really cool vehicles there. My brother came over with his truck. It was a chance for him to show it off. And oh. He's actually at another car show today, showing it off again. Oh, sweet! Where does your brother live? <laughs> uh, he just lives in Brentwood, actually. Okay. Yeah, so that's cool. He's not that far away. What kind of truck did he bring over? Uh, he's got a what is it? A '76 F one fifty with a three ninety in it. You put a dump box on it. Oh, it's a killer ride. Thing sounds like a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's a wicked truck. A dump box. Yeah. He does a lot of construction like myself. And uh well, none of us are getting any younger, right? So the dump box is a real time saver. <laughs> Easy on the back. Yeah. Plus it looks nice. So it's it's like a utility truck, it's not just a show oh, yeah. truck. Oh, is he no, he drives it. It's his daily driver. Cool. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a nice ride. I can show you pictures later. <laughs> okay, right on. All right. Okay, well, thanks. Okay, well, let's uh, let's jump into the traditional first question we sure. get to you on the podcast, which is, of course, what brought you to Pender Island? Wow, geez. Actually, what brought me here was uh, I was living in Esquimalt at the time, and uh, my kids were like two, three years old. They were just, you know, they were pretty small, and uh, we were living in an apartment. And one of the things I didn't like was apartment life, for one. That's not something I enjoyed much. But the thing that really got me was um, how other kids would treat each other, especially how they, they treated my little girl and stuff like that. And I'd be hanging over the balcony because she wanted to learn her bike and stuff like that. And she'd be down there and she'd be riding and stuff. And then older kids would come over and knock her off her bike and throw her bike into the dumpster. Whoa. 
yeah, and this happened several times, and I just got tired of it. So I decided, you know, what we were doing for the longest time is we would come over and visit. Uh, she had an uncle over here that was living here at the time. So we'd come over and visit. And I was, Geez, you know, this is such a nice place. I really would like to live here. And so we looked into it and we found a place. And, man, I can't believe it. For what we were paying in the, in the apartment, we found a great big house for the same price. So it was a no-brainer. But I just couldn't take the city life anymore. I, it just wasn't for me. Donna and I were never ones to go clubbing or anything like that. So the things that draw most people to the city were things that didn't interest me. But I like being outdoors, and I just, I just had to be here. Okay. And I'm so glad I came. It's 26 years now. So 26 years 26 ago. 26 years ago. I just got confirmation that I had, had now officially got resident status. What do you mean? So I'm officially a resident. Wait, who, who gave you the confirmation? Well, it's, it's, when I first moved here, people were joking. It's like, uh, oh, you know, you could be here five or ten years, and people will start talking to you. And then once you hit 25, you're a local. So I've made it the local Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked. 25 <laughs> I can years. stay. I'm not going to get evicted. <laughs> okay, so you're living in a squaw melt and uh, you are essentially making this decision for your two-year-old daughter. Yeah, it was, it, it was tough because uh, I was working nonstop in Victoria in my trade. And when I came here, I knew no one. I mean, I, we knew Donda's cousin, but other than that, we knew literally no one. So it was, it was a big risk I was taking. For me, anyway, it was. But, you know, in time, I started getting a few clients, and then it just snowballed, and I just, I've been busy ever since. I'm really grateful for being here. It's, it's a great place. Okay, and so you said uh, in your trade, what, uh, what is your trade? Well, I do drywall taping and painting. And so, well, you got to know you're living here on an island, you got to wear a lot of different hats. Yeah, for sure. Because if you get your one-trick pony, you're not going to make it. So... I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. Work, work, work. <laughs> okay. Everybody likes to eat, right? <laughs> Everybody likes to eat, for yeah. sure. 26 years ago, you said it was a big leap to move here because oh, yeah. not knowing exactly how you're going to make a living, but knowing that you wanted to live in a place oh, that yeah. was safer for your daughter. Yes, that's the main thing. I wanted a, a safe environment for my kids to grow up in. And, well, you know, frankly, a lot of the kids said, uh, well, we lived across from a high school. Not nice. <laughs> Just, I didn't like it. So I had to go. And I'm glad I did. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot of theft going on and stuff like that. And just a lot of people just had no integrity. It was not a nice place to be. Okay. Yeah. All right. So mid-90s, you wind up uh, moving to Pender Island. What were things like here in the uh, mid-90s compared oh, to what they're like now? God. Yeah. A lot quieter. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah. And the first house we used to rent, uh, we could go and walk your dog at any hour of the night. You might see one or two cars go by. Now, I, if I was in that same house, there's, it's like nonstop traffic. It's unbelievable how much this place has grown. <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. But it's, it's great because now I'm seeing a lot more younger families coming over here too and taking the plunge. When I was first here, it was kind of like a retirement capital. But now, there's such a diverse group that makes this community so much more fun and exciting and yeah, more opportunities for people now, I think, than there was back then, right? Yeah, for sure. Because mm -hmm. when Jenna, my wife and I, we moved here in the mid 2000s. And yeah. even at that point, I felt as if it was way quieter than it is now, right? Oh, but yeah. Even going back 10 years earlier to the mid 90s, yeah. I'm sure it was even more quiet. But yeah. so when you had your first few years living here, what were the first few years like integrating into the community and making friends? Like, how, how did that unfold for you? I, I would have to probably say it was going th uh, through my work that I started to meet more people. And then once I started getting me for some more people and stuff like that, getting involved and finding out some of the different things that were going on and doing some volunteer work here and there and stuff like that. And the next thing you know, you, people are were really welcoming. So here I am now. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So you found through your work that you were able to meet Mostly, people. yes. Yeah. You end up meeting so many people. And I'm terrible for names, so... Everybody's hi, sweetie, or <laughs> whatever, because I've just met so many people, right? Yeah. And then, of course, it's like, oh, I remember you worked on my house. It's like, vaguely, <laughs> I've done so many now. I don't know. <laughs> well, 26 years, that would be a ton of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, maybe before we uh, move more into Pender things, like mm. we'll just back it up a little <clears> bit <throat> to um, how you uh, found yourself in Esquimalt. That actually, where did you grow up, Steve? Well, I'm an army brat. So before I came here, uh, I was living in Kingston, Ontario, and I was there for. No, probably about 
12, 15 years, something like that. And before that, we were living in Europe. We were in Germany. My dad got posted there, and uh, that was a great experience. I really loved living there. That was really nice. How come? Why did you like living there? Uh, well, just nothing against being in Canada or anything like that. But, I mean, when, when you're in a foreign country in Europe and stuff, and you go to places uh, that were that took longer to build than the country that you came from, that's pretty amazing. And I got to see things that I never would have had a chance to do on my own. You know, it was tough because you, you, you make friends, you move, you lose friends, you lose contact with them. But the things I got to see and do were things I'm so grateful for. And, and so how old were you when you were living in Germany? Uh, let's see. I think when I left, if I remember, it was about 12 and I was there for four and a half years. Okay. Yeah, it was good times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, what, what were you doing in Germany that, uh, that just stands out in your mind? Best school trips you could ever imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and plus the, the school trips would take you to other countries as well, right? Which was really exciting. So I, I, I was pretty lucky as a kid. A lot of people don't get to travel much. It's, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's different when you're over in Europe because it's so accessible. The distances are way shorter. But you would go on oh, yeah. school trips to other countries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was so fun. We, we went to Holland and stuff. And, and my dad, uh, when he took his vacation time, it was great because he would take us to places that were sort of out-of-the-way places, not like your touristy trap places. So you really got to see the culture and, and experience what it's like to be there. And, man, I'd still love to go back. You know, expenses. For course. sure. Yeah. But that's super cool. So as a, no. as a teenager, you got to see a lot of the world. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was really lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. That's one of the great things about, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, growing up in a, as an army brat is a tough thing because, you know, like, like I just mentioned, but there's a lot of good things too that go with that. And I, I honestly think it it, uh, it may be stronger too because uh, in, the, in the sense that it made it easier for me to make friends because... You're used to moving and meeting new people and stuff like that. So it just made it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Like having to adapt to new situations exactly. all the time. Yeah. And of course, you know how shy I am. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Okay. So uh, Army Brad, <clears throat> four years spent in Germany and then where from there? Uh, from there, uh, we left and we got posted uh, to Kingston and stayed there. Did all my high school years through there. Met some great friends and uh, some of them I'm still in contact with which is really neat because I don't think that's something that happens too often anymore. You know, people move and people lose touch with each other. And it's kind of sad, but it's nice when you still have old buddies that still hang around and can still tease you about going gray and yeah, everything yeah. else. <laughs> are you, are you uh, friends on, on the phone or on Facebook or how do you maintain the friendships? Um, well, actually, uh, m most of my buddies, they were like me bouncing around from place to place. And when they were like in BC or whatever, they'd come and look me up and we hook up and stuff. I had, Stranger, I had a friend of mine that uh, from high school that was living in Salt Spring, and I didn't even know he was over there, and he'd been there for years. And recently, uh, we got together, and now he's uh, touring across Canada and going down to the States and stuff. So I can't wait to hear what his experiences are going to be when he gets back. Right on. If he gets back. He'll get back. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping he'll move back to BC. It's hard to say. You never know. Might, might find another place to be. Who knows? There's a great country. There's a lot of nice places to live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. So you're growing up in, uh, or sorry, spending time in Kingston, and then, mm -hmm. um, and how long were you in Kingston for? Oh gosh, I was probably there. I'd say ten to fifteen years. Oh wow. Okay. Oh yeah. It was the longest posting we'd ever had ever, and uh, it was nice. Yeah, Kingston was a great place. I mean, you were close to the states. You were close to uh, family back home in Quebec, so it wasn't that far away from anything. It was kind of like a centralized little place for us it was great yeah the birthplace of don sherry yeah yeah <laughs> gotta get me one of those shirts with them callers <laughs> <laughs> be like i he and i he and i have a kingston connection tragically hip as well too <laughs> yeah. yeah i had a friend that was uh, stationed in kingston we drove out from oh, uh, right? vancouver to kingston one time when he was uh taking his uh, oh, yeah? leave and so i got to see a little bit of it but yeah yeah it was uh it was interesting yeah it seemed like mm -hmm. a cozy little place yeah. for sure well it was i felt so stupid when i first moved there too because i was a little i was young naive and we're going by the Kingston Penitentiary, and I'm thinking it's a castle. <laughs> Little did I know. This is where criminals are. <laughs> yeah. This is where they put the bad people. Yeah. At so, one point in time, I thought of getting a job working as a guard there, and then at the time, I was with this uh, girlfriend, and she's going, no, you're not. I'm so glad you talked me out of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's nah, not something for me. 
No, I don't. You're going to work in a penitentiary every mm. day. That's that's where I work. Doesn't seem like a beautiful place to. No. 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 Thank goodness there are people that do yeah. it though. Kind but... of hard to make friends too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and if you do make friends, you're maybe maybe in the wrong profession. You're yeah. Move in the so. wrong direction in your career. It's yes. like all oh, my friends are inmates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're great. Yeah. Got to get me a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. And like a whole bunch more. Yeah. So what made you come out west? Oh gosh! Well, you know, my my dad, he at that time he uh, was retiring, okay. and uh, <clears throat> he had told me he said that he wanted to come out west, and uh, if I wanted to come, I could go along. But I was I was at that age where I could you know go on my own or come out here, and I thought, well, geez, you know, I've always wanted to come out here, so I thought, well, let's just do it. So I said goodbye to all my friends, packed up, and came here. Okay. Yeah. And there's no looking back. <laughs> and, and the first stop was Vancouver Island or? Yeah. We drove across actually, which took, you know, quite a while. And then we ended up in Victoria. And so we were living there and that's when I met Donda and we started coming over here and this is where I'm at. Okay. And yeah. so for those who don't know, Donda is your wife of how many years? 31 years. 31 years. Yeah. yeah. She could have killed me a long time ago and I had a lighter sentence. <laughs> 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 so I don't know. Yeah, thirty-one years. God, they sure go by fast. Oh my God. Well, I'm always really curious about how people meet. Uh, how did you first meet Donda? Oh my God. Yeah, geez, we met at a place called the DRA, and that was a uh, was a place for the military. It was like a little pubby sort of thing. It was only strictly for the military, and I happened to at, at that time be working as a waiter there, slinging beer. And uh, her mom and her stepfather introduced me to her, and. Uh, I was blown away. She was just gorgeous. So I thought, okay, well, I got to get this girl's number. And so I gave her my number and she told me, she goes, well, I'm going to be going uh, to Pender and uh, I'll be back in a week or so. And I thought, well, that's the end of that. But I was blown away. She actually called me. So the rest is history. Okay. Yeah. I think we were only together for probably like a year. And it was like, okay, this is the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No looking back. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. So she had the Pender connection with a cousin, you said? Yeah, she had an uncle that was living over here. He's, oh, he's since moved up uh, north. But uh, yeah, that's what brought us over here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was, they, they were a great family. She had a great family. All her families are actually pretty cool. Yeah. Fantastic. And they like me, so that works. <laughs> that, always, that always makes things easier. Yeah. Yeah, usually it I'm not that son-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> a way worse situation if that's the uh, the comments going back and forth for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be well-liked by the in-laws. Well, yeah. It's nice to like the, have it reciprocal. It's nice to like the in-laws, well, too. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you guys, uh, you moved to Pender Island. And so, and so at that point, you said you had a two-year-old daughter. And is that your first child? Uh, yeah. Uh, the the Donda, uh, she's up. Also has the same name. Yeah, she was our first, and then we had Manly, who was uh, my second. And Jesus turned out to be a big guy. Yeah, makes me look small. He is a big guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you uh, you moved to Pender Island, and mm -hmm. you're living here in the mid '90s, and you're finding some work in your trade. And then I wanted to get into your experience with the uh, Solstice Theater because that's how you and I met for the first time. Yes, yeah, and that so was part of our parole condition, if I remember. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Yes, it was. Well, how did you get involved with Solstice? What was the... Uh... Oh, my gosh. Actually, it was really funny because um, there was a, a fellow here. Uh, he's since gone. Uh, Rick Gogan. And he was telling me that he was doing a little bit of uh, theater. And he said to me that they needed somebody to help with the reading. They were short of some people. And little did I know, it was actually an audition. He conned me into it. And so I read for the part. And I was blown away. I got the part. I was like, wow, what did I just do? <laughs> but we did the play and that was it. I was hooked. I, I just love it. Yeah, it's been great. And I don't know how many have done since, but hopefully I'll be doing some more yet. <laughs> yeah, what, what was that first play? Oh my gosh, what was that called now? Jeez, you know, I can't even remember now. No worries. Yeah, I, had to, I remember I had to play a violin, which I had to mime, of course, because I can't play an instrument with a weapon. But I do play records really well. <laughs> but uh yeah I, you know it's funny i can't even remember the name of the play anymore okay no and was that was that at the community hall or uh yes it was yeah okay yeah all right yeah it was fun yeah <laughs> and so subsequently you've done numerous plays uh through so so for people who don't know like that you've uh 
been with Solstice Theater on the island for a ton of years and doing mm -hmm. a ton of plays. Yeah. And uh, you are an amazing actor. Oh, well, thank you. You as well. <laughs> well, you're, you're incredible to, to watch and uh, to work with. But prior to having that first experience, had you done any acting before? Uh, not really. Uh, I did take uh, so like a couple little acting little seminars and stuff like that, and which kind of got me interested in it. But uh, the only other thing that I did before I came here, believe it or not, was a Crime Stoppers. <laughs> yes. No way, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that paid really well. Okay. Yeah. I, I made a dollar. How? Okay. So, so I banked it. <laughs> but it was really funny because after about even a month or two after that, people would be whispering and going, that's that guy that robbed the bank. It was like. No, sorry, it was a video store. That's what it was. Well, it was the guy that robbed the video store. And it's like, it wasn't really me. <laughs> so you got a gig doing a reenactment for Crime I Stoppers. Did, yeah. That how was how really did that good. work? How did that happen? Uh, I think if I recall, there was like an audition or something I saw on the paper for it. And okay. I thought, ah, oh, what the hell? I'm going to give it a try. That was history. <laughs> and they paid you a buck? Yeah. One dollar. Well, well, yeah. Well, I, I think it was one of those things where... Nobody actually really gets paid, and that was sort of uh, like what they would call like a donation oh, weird. or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so well, I didn't care. Okay, whatever. So you got your first acting experience yeah, in a Crime my... Stoppers commercial, robbing a video store. <laughs> yes. If you've seen this man, <laughs> yeah, America's most wanted. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you you had like pretty minimal experience, but then boom, you have an audition. You got your yeah. first play. Yeah. And like, how how did you enjoy that first play? Oh, I loved it. I just felt at home. I don't know. It's just, as soon as my feet hit the stage, I just felt like this is something I wanted to do. It just felt right. And I don't know. It was weird like, because there was nothing really that sort of led me down that path. I mean, there's no one in our family that were actors or actresses or anything of the sort. So I don't know where that came from. But boy, once I got my feet on there, I knew I had to go back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know how much fun it is. Well, totally, for sure, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, I can I can totally relate to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting for people listening as well, too, that might not have any experience uh, mm -hmm. in, in that. But it's interesting to me just how uh, in our own lives individually, there's just things that resonate with us, right? Yeah. That whether it be singing or dancing or acting mm -hmm. or any kind of arts, that the first time trying it, you just realize, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm home. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, fantastic. And mm -hmm. so I've seen you do some incredible performances. There was one play that we worked on together called The Foreigner, yeah. where it was a made-up language right. that you had to initiate yeah. <laughs> and do for large portions of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was a really complicated role, and yeah. uh, it was mesmerizing to watch you doing it <laughs> in rehearsals and then also in the show. I was so blown away with that. But in terms of um, favorite performances that you've done yeah. in different plays, that one, if you want to comment on that one mm -hmm. or other ones as well too, what stood out to you? Yeah, that, that was actually probably one of my more favorites. Yeah. And uh, you know, I can't even remember the name of the other one that I really liked. But uh, in that one, I had, to, I had to speak, if I remember, it was like five or seven uh, languages. And uh, I really, it, it was, I was actually really fun be, uh, because Malcolm Armstrong had approached me with uh, the script and uh, he came over to my, my house that day and said to me that he came across the script and he really wanted to put it together, but he felt that I was the one that could pull it off. And I was thinking like, why would he think I'm the only one that could pull it off? It's like, I mean, what am I getting into? And I started reading it and it was just such a, a great script. And I, and I just felt I need, I, I wanted a, the challenge. That's, I, I tried to find roles that are challenging to me. And that one was really challenging and I'm so glad I did it. And it was just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. What do you like best about acting? Is it doing the actual performance itself, the rehearsals? Like, like, but if you can pinpoint one aspect of it like, and, and articulate it, what is it exactly that you love about acting? I think what I love about the most about it is you get to be a different person. And when you throw yourself into that, it gives you a different perspective on things because now you're not yourself, right? So that, that character will bring out different things in you that you didn't think you had. Just that part of it, I think, is the part I find the most satisfying for me. It's just being someone else. I mean, we don't get a chance to do that. No. No. That's, that's what I like the most.
relaxed. Yeah. Well, of course, just being up there, <laughs> feeling the lights on you and stuff. It was a great feeling. Yeah. And what I like too is um, a couple of people have told me that they got into it because they saw how much fun I was doing and having up there. So it, that makes me feel great. <laughs> That's just like the best. Nice. Yeah, for sure. If you can inspire other people from what, what you're doing that you're doing that you enjoy a lot, then I think you're doing something that's right. Right on. Yeah. So getting to be somebody else and then inspiring other people. Those yeah, are Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's really satisfying. Yeah. For sure. I've done a few murder mysteries in the last couple of years, mm -hmm. and I never break character during the night. Yeah. And because it's so enjoyable to get a whole evening to pretend to be somebody else. Well, why would I want to break character? Why would I want to be Chris? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I totally relate to that. Yeah. It's so fun yeah, exactly. just to be immersed. Mm -hmm. I remember when it was a, um, a Christmas Carol play that Kelly Irving was doing. Yeah. Even in the closing of, of the show, after the show was over, taking mm -hmm. the vows, you were still in character. It's hard to let go. Yeah. When you're so immersed in it, it's hard to, to walk away from it. Anytime I was getting ready for a play and running lines and stuff, it would just drive Don insane because I'd be walking around the house muttering and in character and stuff. And it's like, who the hell is this? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, there he goes again. <laughs> right. But that's, that's what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all the way or nothing. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I want to shift gears as well, too, and talk about yeah. uh, other kinds of art, because just mm -hmm. before we started this, we were talking about uh, you wanting to get back into uh, painting, because that's something yeah. that's part of your life as well, too. Maybe mm -hmm. if you want to talk about uh, other kinds of art that you enjoy doing, including painting as well, and let people know about uh, that side yeah, of Steve. Well, I, like, you know, I like to paint. My preference is uh, I like surrealism. Uh, that's just something I've always been, had a fond attachment to. And it's just a, a different way of expressing yourself through your art which we, i really like a lot and i don't know this is nothing like stepping back from a, a piece that you've been working on and going yeah yeah when you you hit that point when yeah it's okay then you can sign your name to it but sometimes it takes a while to get to there because you know things things get in the way you can get distracted and sometimes you just have to walk away from stuff and have a fresh perspective on it and then come back but yeah that's always been a great love of mine for sure and i'm hoping we'll get back into that again soon Okay, and so yeah. any schooling for that, or is it just self-taught? No, self-taught, basically. Right on. Yeah, I took uh, one one course in college, and that was a very long time ago, but that helped me set my mind that this is something I want to do for myself as a hobby, right? Because otherwise, I don't really have any hobbies, other than just doing my gardening and stuff, but I really like doing art. Okay. Yeah. Painting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I always had a sort of a secret ambition of being a proptologist. That's the guy that makes props. <laughs> just, just so people know. <laughs> I've never heard that term. Is that is that a literal term? Is that real? Uh, well, I made it up. Okay, so good one. I, All right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, that, what got me started there was uh, Dave Fernie. Uh, he had a production that he was doing, and he asked me if I wanted to, to make some props for the show. Yeah. And I jumped in there in both feet, and I really enjoyed doing that. That's, that's a lot of fun. I mean, that'd be a great career for somebody to do. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I would love to. And that's well, especially now that you see what's going on in the movies and stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, I missed my calling. Well, you did. Other, okay. other callings. But in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, uh, props and uh, pieces of art that you've done on the island, I know that you, on the disc golf course, you painted the map oh, for the right. disc golf course that's on the island. So for people who don't know, we have this beloved disc golf course here. And uh, that's uh, a great course. Fantastic course. Oh, a lot of, yeah. lot of time there. But with the map, when you see when you come in, is uh, is done by you? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty sweet. Any other uh, pieces on the island? Somebody mentioned a, like a, a doll at the new to you that you... Oh, the Tin Lizzie. The, uh, that was named by... There was a contest, actually, after we put that together. And uh, the winner named it Tin Lizzie. And that's that metal sculpture that stands outside of... Uh, oh, the it's the metal there. sculpture. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was fun because <laughs> they gave me a box of metal and they said, could you create something out of that? And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh my God, what am I going to make with this? And then I started laying out the pieces. It's like, oh, okay, I got an idea. And so put it together. And John Looney actually welded the uh, the feet for me because that's one thing I didn't do as weld. But uh, yeah, it was really nice. After that, I got invited to, they had, uh, I forget if it was their 25th or the 30th uh, anniversary for New to You. And uh, Donna and I got invited 
to that special occasion. And that was actually really cool. I got to meet some really cool, sweet people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I love those people. <laughs> right on. Oh, yeah. New to you is just like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything they've done for the community here, that's amazing. So for people who don't know, the new to you is a secondhand store that's a completely volunteer run on mm -hmm. the island and the proceeds go to different charities. I think that they allocate money uh, to various different places to help. I don't exactly know how that works, how the money allocation mm -hmm. goes, but I know that they've raised a ton of money oh, over gosh, the years. Yeah. Over a million is my understanding. Okay. That's it's hard to believe that little store has created that much revenue. Yeah, it's just yeah. recycling people's oh, uh, yeah. items. Yeah. Sometimes nice, sometimes junk, but uh yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a place for you to go to find inexpensive things that oh, yeah. uh, other people just want to let go of. Exactly. And, sometimes yeah. you find a treasure. Sometimes you do. Yeah. 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 I've even manifested things where I was like, "Oh god, it would be nice to have one of these." And then there it is the next week, there it is. <laughs> Lo and behold, it's like you wish and it shows up. It's wow, bizarre. really? Yeah. Yeah, it's happened to me a couple of times. It was strange <laughs> you know my wife's had that experience as well too like exactly that yeah. she's been thinking about something specifically and then she's yeah. found it at the new to you the next week isn't that crazy it is i think it's the power of intention though. i think so yeah, yeah i believe that yeah yeah it's bizarre yeah. I, I think that we can do that on a larger scale in our lives. That, oh, absolutely. That when you plan for something, I use the analogy that if you're going on a road trip and you're trying to get to Winnipeg, yeah. you know that you want to get to Winnipeg. But if you just have a aimless direction, mm -hmm. you're never going to wind up there. You have to know where you're going, yes. right? Yeah. So with picturing an item in your mind that new to you, and then knowing that this is what you want, and then having it show up is maybe less bizarre than it actually really is mm -hmm. maybe that if we tap into that more yeah. and really empower ourselves then we can create yeah so much more in our lives yeah exactly yeah definitely anyway but new to you yeah. okay and so other things that you've done on the island i, I, I wanted to uh, talk about the lantern festival oh gosh yeah can you explain to myself and the listeners about uh, the lantern sure. festival sure uh at the time, uh, I was living next door to Dave Fernie and Jackie Dinano. They were our neighbors. Okay. And uh, it was coming up on the millennial year. And uh, we had gotten together and we were talking. Uh, Dave had this idea of doing something special for the community to mark the event of the, the year 2000 coming in. So we bantered back and forth and threw some ideas around. And Jackie ended up going into the States. She had some commitment or something. So it was actually Dave, uh, Donda and myself. We sat down, sort of created this storyline of what, what we wanted to do and started creating the props. So I, that was my first experience with proptology. <laughs> and uh, from there, we just uh, decided, okay, well, let's do this. And we put on our very first show at the end of the lake. And we weren't sure if there would people would be coming out or anything because it was completely new. But we were actually quite surprised by how many people came out. And the thing that I, I have to say that uh, intrigued me the most and made me want to do it is the fact that it was a family-oriented thing. Uh, because typically New Year's events, there's usually things you think about, like people going to the pub or whatever and celebrating that way. But this was something different. And uh, what I really liked, too, is that kids could be involved in it. So they weren't just onlookers. They were actually participants. Okay. And, gosh, it's been going on for... Umpteen years now. Holy yeah. smokes. It's still going strong. So the first Lantern Festival. So this is a New Year's Eve festival that takes place uh, at yeah. the edge of Magic Lake. Yeah. And that's where the original one took place as well, too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We actually took the show on the road after a few years. We did a performance in uh, Blue Lake, California, which was pretty cool. And then we did one also in Calgary, which was a challenge because it was an indoor event. And we had a giant <laughs> boat that we had there. And we just made it so it just was enough room to be able to turn this thing around. It was, <laughs> it was tight. But we did it. it. And we went in there not knowing what we were going to do, really, because we had to see the, you know, where we were going to do it to begin with. And then once we saw it, we went, okay, well, we had to switch things up. But it, it all worked out great. Yeah. It was great fun. But then after about 10 years... Uh, I got a little tired, <laughs> and so we moved on. And plus, it's, it was an opportunity for fresh blood to get in there and new creative ideas and stuff, and look where it's gone. It's just amazing now. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's a total tradition on the island. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I was so glad to be a part of it. I mean, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I want to mm -hmm. talk about, because we talked about this a couple of years ago, and I was really blown away to hear that you were there at the start of mm -hmm. doing this. But 
if I remember correctly, that it was just a desire to just do something creative as well, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Dave and Jackie both are hugely creative. I mean, those guys are amazing. And an opportunity to work with them was like, I wasn't going to miss that chance for sure. Yeah, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> well, can, can you describe a little bit about the prep involved for that first year? Like, how, Because I remember you said it was a lot of work. Yeah, it was. Well, fortunately, in the house that Dave was at, there was uh, kind of like, well, it was a fair, like a double-sized garage, which we used as the studio. So we at least had, had a space to work from. And it was sort of next door. So I, was, I didn't have very far, not much of a commute. But uh, it worked out great because with that space, we were able to, to actually do some of the things that we didn't think we would be able to do without a space. And uh, it worked out awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, we had that. If, had we not, I don't know what, how it would have went. It's hard to say. Okay. So that first yeah. year you had the large uh, puppets? On the very first one, I don't think we had the puppets at that time. We did have um, shadow puppetry going on. And we hadn't yet quite gotten the... Um, the giant puppets. It wasn't until about a year or two later and w that uh, we met some other people that were also doing that s similar stuff. And they came over and we got together and they were showing us, you know, this is how we make giant puppets and stuff. It was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I got to do that. And we made our own. And as far as I know, they're still being used. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think it's really neat because part of doing the show is also capturing a bit of the history of the island. And, mm. you know, I think it's super important to have these stories documented as to how the Lantern Festival got started, you know, and mm. that, uh, first of all, thanks for being part of getting that started because <laughs> it's made so many people happy. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's an event that people go to every single New oh, Year's yeah. Eve if they're on the island. Yeah. The first one I attended was... I wasn't living here. I was here as a, a tourist, basically mm -hmm. visiting, and I, I was really touched by just how just how nice it was. It, like you said, it was a family mm -hmm. event. It's not yeah. just a bunch of drinking and hooting and hollering. Yeah. and it was a really gentle celebration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's so cool seeing kids there. Definitely. Oh yeah, and they're all you know. When you look at them, and their eyes are wide, and they're looking up at that giant puppet and stuff. It's it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. 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 I loved seeing the look on the kids' faces. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And just one more time, just to uh, mm -hmm. mention the, the two other people, or because you said it was yourself, Donda mm -hmm. was a part of it, and yeah. then... Um, Dave Fernie and Jackie Dynano, she was a part of that too, for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. She came back uh, after a bit, and of course, she helped us out a lot. And she worked out a lot of the details for us too. Yeah. Yeah, I miss those two. They were great. Hmm. Yeah. They're no longer on the island. Oh, no, they moved off quite a while ago. Yeah. Okay. He ended up going back to, um, uh, this is like a clown college. What is it? Uh, oh, so he was part of a clown college? Yeah, he was doing that for a while. Both of them, actually. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so they're professional clowns. Basically. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, they're pro all the way. Oh, yeah. They're hugely talented, the two of them. Oh, yeah. my God. I love watching them. <laughs> Working with them is even more fun. I did a clowning workshop once with somebody for half a day who was oh, yeah. teaching it. And uh, I was like, wow, this would be really fun to mm -hmm. <laughs> learn oh, how to be sure. professional clown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine getting paid to do that. Imagine getting paid oh, to do that. Oh, yeah. that'd be a first for me. <laughs> <laughs> professional clowning. Yeah. Uh, okay, so maybe leading into the, uh, the second traditional question. Mm -hmm. People who have helped you along the way on Pender, just an opportunity to mention other people. And, uh, you know, you mentioned like help with putting the lantern festival together but mm. any other people on the island that uh you know giving you help along the way yeah actually you know coming to think of it off the top of my head one one person that was really helpful to me was uh dan bingham uh he and i uh, were pretty good friends and yeah you know, he taught me a few ropes and stuff and got me some work uh he got me a job over what because like i say i was new here didn't really know many people and uh he hooked me up with a job at uh, clam bay farm when they had livestock back then okay that was actually probably one of my most fun jobs. Yeah, I really enjoyed working with the animals. I mean, who doesn't like you know, being greeted in the morning? Like, you hear all these animals that are happy to see you. Yeah. Not everywhere you go, people are happy to see you, right? <laughs> but the animals were always happy to see you, never talk back. <laughs> and it was just fun to be with. It was a completely new experience for me. It was so different from anything I'd ever done. 
Well, maybe let's talk about that. Describe that. What uh, what were you doing there? What was the experience? Uh, well, I was uh, doing all sorts of stuff. Actually, I would, I would help to tend the animals, uh, feed them. Uh, there'd be times that we'd have to do, which was never fun, castration of the animals, cleaning their hooves and the, the likes of the, like that. But uh, it was ju- it was just being outside was a nice change. Having come from Victoria and being in my trade and being forever in, inside a house and indoors, this was an opportunity for something completely different. And I'm so glad it did. It was a nice place to be. You know, it was, it was nice work in there. And then they ended up uh, selling off all the animals and stuff, and I, I ended up moving on to other things. And what, what kind of animals were you doing right there? Uh, we had cows, black Angus cows. They were really nice. They had uh, pigs, some of the biggest pigs I've ever seen in my life. I didn't know they got that big. I ended up bringing one home. <laughs> oh, you what? I did. There was a sow, and she had uh, more piglets than she had teats. And uh, it was about, I think it was probably the second day after she had gave birth, and I was, I was looking down, and I could see in the pen this, oh, this poor little piglet was all skin and bones. It, was, it wasn't getting any food, right? Apparently, which I didn't know. It's when, when one attaches to a teat, that's it. That's his and nobody oh. else's. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I learned a lot there, actually. And so I felt so bad for this little piglet. It's like, well, I can't let this thing die. So I brought her home. And we raised this little thing for a while. And then, of course, found out later that you're not supposed to have livestock in Magic Lake. So I had to give it up. And I gave it to a friend. And that friend actually put the little pig to work. It uh, would go around rooting people's gardens. Good job. Good job for a pig there. Yeah. yeah. Great job. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So that, that was kind of fun. I'd come home every once in a while with a, oh, I remember I came home with a chicken one time. The kids loved that. That was pretty cool. But the poor thing got sick and died. I don't know what it, what it from, but yeah, that was, that's one of the things that uh, I really enjoyed when the kids were small. They'd like to used to come and visit their dad at work and be with the animals and stuff. Cause they, they never got to experience that. Most kids don't get that opportunity, actually. No, they yeah, don't. No, I, I think it's important for people to uh, to sort of get connected with animals, right? Yeah, it's, it's just seems just like the right thing to do, especially for kids. You're saying before having that job that you didn't really have uh, that connection, that that was your first experience. Yeah, especially with like any kind of a farm animal or anything like that. I mean, we had our own uh, household pets and stuff, but I mean, to work with, you know, with an animal that's like a thousand pounds or something like that, that's... A little intimidating, right? But I'm glad I did. Yeah. I like to work with animals. I'd do it again. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, if I, I'd love a little hobby farm. That would be nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a really important point that you make because I'm sure there's people who are going to listen to this that have never had really any personal interaction with mm-hmm. farm animals before, mm-hmm. you know, that we're pretty detached from that. Yeah. And that uh, my, my exposure to farm animals has been relatively limited. I haven't really spent intimate time with cows, you know, right. like chickens a little bit here and yeah. there, but uh, we're pretty far removed from it. You know, we go buy the food at the grocery store and yeah, it's nice. But, and then the other thing too, is that you get to form a bit of a personal connection slash relationship with individual animals. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do get bonded with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And they'll actually, you know, they'll even recognize your voice. Oh yeah. Like their head will turn. And yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. And like you were just saying about how people don't more often than not, don't get a chance to see animals like farm animals of the sort. I mean, any, any time in the summer you go past the mall and you look across and you'll see cars stop, tourists and stuff, and people that are over here, and they're, oh, they're stopped, they're taking pictures, and it just goes to show. The kids nowadays don't get that. Yeah, it's too bad. It is too bad. Yeah, but mm. it's, nice to, it's nice to discover that in your own life and to realize mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, to have that connection. Mm-hmm. Neat. Okay, so yeah. that was so that uh, <clears throat> we got started on that line because uh, <laughs> you said a person that helped you was uh, Dan Bigum? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so he definitely. got you the job there. And... He did, yeah. He's yeah. a great guy, yeah, for sure. I right. like Daniel. <laughs> Everybody loves Daniel. <laughs> okay, and anybody else coming to mind uh, off the top of your head? Or uh, When we first got here, uh, Donna's cousin Tracy, she, you know, she helped us to meet some new people and stuff like that. And it was good for Donna too because, you know, not knowing anybody, at least she had like some family, right, which was nice. So, yeah, between the two of them, yeah, it was, it was good to have them here for sure, definitely. Okay. Otherwise, I'd be probably still be a loner. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think even especially back then, I think now with what you said, there's more young families moving mm. and, you know, you're able to make more connections now, but uh, it was more of a retirement community back then. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, somebody who helped find some meaningful work for you. And then also somebody who helped introduce you to people in the community. Those are the people mm -hmm. who, who helped you along the way. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Yeah. Right on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so moving into uh, more current times. So like, uh, what, uh, what are you working on in your life right now in terms of, you were talking about uh, wanting to get back into painting, but any areas of your life that you want to go to anything that you're like, Oh yeah, I want people to know this about me. Uh, not really. Actually, um, it's, it's funny for, for somebody who loves acting uh, as much as I do and being on stage, uh, I'm actually a really private person. Yeah. I pretty much keep to myself. I, it's not, it's not that I don't like people or anything. It's just, it makes it easier to enjoy life here. If you're not inundated with everything else, I'm finding I'm spending more time looking out for myself instead of like when I was in Victoria, I was just driven to look after everybody else's needs, you know, through work and everything else and forgetting all about my own. It was, it became nothing, but it was, it was always about work and well, now in this time in my life, it's like, you know, the, the, you reprioritize things, right? And one of the things that I've, I'm finding that's really important now is to find time for myself, to do things that I want to do, things that I like, that I've been putting off for a long time. And one of those things is just uh, enjoying my kids and doing things around the house and just enjoying, you know, just living here. So, yeah, yeah, I, I guess it just comes with age, I guess. I don't know. Well, maybe, but like you felt as if you were just going at too, too rapid of a pace and doing things for other people quite a lot. Yeah. I yeah. just, I, I, I just needed to slow down a bit, you know, take the time to smell the roses for sure. I mean, we're not going to be here for long and we're in a beautiful place. Take advantage of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I think that there's a, a lot of people on the island that really enjoy their privacy and enjoy yeah. their time on their own. And I would mm -hmm. actually easily count myself as one of those people you know sure. like I, I enjoy the social time yeah. but more than that i enjoy being on my own yeah for me, sure me as well but on the other on the flip side as well though uh one of the things that uh i find probably the most attractive thing about this island is just a true sense of community i mean when you when you go to events i mean how many people can actually say that you know they go to an event and they're having fun with their old teacher or their old principal, or the mechanic, or the pharmacist. I mean, in a city, you're so, you know, it's just like you, like you live in an apartment, you don't even know your neighbor's name. You know, yeah. you might just wave to him because you recognize them. But here, there's, a, there's such a true sense of community. And that's, that's the thing that I, I love about this place. It's just like, we're all, we're all in this together. You know, if crap hits the fan, we know that we're all going to be here for each other. And... That's not a, a, a something that you find very easy anywhere else. I mean, this is it. This is the only place to be. <laughs> I'd rather be on this island than any other ones that I've been to. I find the other ones are too big, too busy. They, they're, to me, they're just like suburbs of a city. But there's something special about this place. It's magic. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I've learned that more and more as I've been interviewing more people because mm -hmm. what you're saying has been echoed by so many people in these podcasts that I'm doing that we have such a, uh, a strong sense of community here. And it's really nice to hear people speak about it out loud mm. Yeah, because you can easily miss it. Sometimes when I go to the driftwood, I'll be driving away and think, Oh my gosh, I had four really nice interactions with people who are yes. just acquaintances, people I don't know that well, but mm -hmm. I joked around with this person. I gave a yeah. high five to that person. We had a laugh over here. And, and I, I feel, uh, if you don't process it later or think about it, you'll miss the fact that you're actually nourished by those experiences mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that it's good to reflect on that and to really recognize like, Oh wow, that actually has a lot of value. Mm -hmm. It's like living in a giant support group. Mm. It's pretty cool. So I don't care what goes on around the world as long as I'm here and everybody's happy on the island is okay with me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, what are some of your favorite places to go on the island? Or do you like spending a lot of time at home? Like, what is it that... Uh... Um, in the last little while, I've been, I've been enjoying spending more time at home because uh, I've spent oh, the last 30 years making everybody else's dreams come true through my work. And now I'm at that stage where now that the kids have moved on and we have our own place, it's like, you know, now it's time for me to do stuff for me to make my space nice. And so I've been doing that. But if I'm, if I'm not at home, I'm probably out in the bush or 
walking the beach. We got great beaches. We got one that goes all the way around the island. Did you know that? A beach that goes all the way around the island? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I've got to go on this beach. I've got to try it. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably busy right now, though. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait till after okay. dark. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so for doing things for yourself, you mean just working on projects at home and because yeah. you said making other people's dreams come true through yeah. doing your doing own work. Doing some rentals at the house. You know, it's like they say, you know, the mechanic drives the worst car, the drywaller has the worst drywaller. Yeah. You know, and the drywall and everything else. So yeah, I've been picking away and it's been quite a transformation from when, when we first bought the place. It's completely changed inside and out to our liking. Yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> right on. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in the future of being on Pender, so you say there's nowhere else you'd rather be. This is where you're going to uh, wind up staying for as long as possible? I would like to think so. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think, too, that uh, should this place get much busier, I think I might even go out further. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like green space. And I'm seeing less and less of it. Mm-hmm. Call it progress. I don't know. Call it what you will. But I guess like anywhere, it's going to grow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So either you grow with it or you find somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I'm flexible. I'm still young enough that I could uproot and start over. Nice. I mean, what the hell, right? <laughs> yeah. But you, I guess you just have to find that place that has uh, maybe like a good uh, foundation of a community as well, right? Well, that's really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It, it, it was it was probably a lot more important to me when when I had the kids and they were living at home and stuff like that, just so that they had more social interaction and stuff. But now that they're gone, it, it's still important to me, but probably not as much. But I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't think I'd, I'd, I'm not ready to leave by any terms. But uh, as long as I can stay here and be able to live comfortably, you know, I'm not, we're not going to be a millionaire living here, but I feel like a millionaire living here. So it's a pretty good trade-off. That's a beautiful line. I yeah. like that for sure. <laughs> I, I was actually just thinking when you were talking about reading the book about the gold rush and that people living off in the bush mm-hmm. were inundated with people in the 1890s coming to looking for gold. Yeah. And like, oh, time to go further away. Living yeah. in Dawson City, people who yeah. were in Dawson City in the 1890s were thinking it's getting too busy and I got to go further north. So, you know, a lot of people experience that where it just reaches a point and it's different for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's it's a wonderful uh, balance of more younger families and more people coming to the island, but then also Mm -hmm. there's there's less less green space. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Anyway. We'll, We'll make more. We'll make more. We'll make, make more. Yeah. <laughs> Plant some rocks and maybe grow an island. Who knows? Ooh, grow an island. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good thinking. But, you know, you, you mentioned your dad earlier. What is mm-hmm. your dad's first name? Paul. Paul. Yeah. Okay. And so Paul, uh, your father, was uh, part of the military. And mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe just going back to that and mm-hmm. learning a little bit more about that. So with him being transferred into different places mm-hmm. through Kingston and Germany and other places he went to, like I've, I've talked to numerous people who have grown up in military families, but in terms of what you were observing about your dad being part of the military and, and through that whole complex, how, how was your perception of, of life when you were that age, like seeing your dad as a military person and um, how did that shape you in a way? Well, I guess... It, it shaped me because, in, in a sense, that uh, it's dis- disciplinary. In, in a sense, you don't being in the military, you don't have the the freedoms that a civilian would have. But by the same token, it, it builds character. I think, you know, just even from moving around a lot, and uh, it forces you to do things that you probably might not normally do, like introducing yourself to a complete stranger when you first move to a new school and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. Um, Live, growing up as a military brat, I, I had no problems with that. I'm, right. I'm actually, I, I feel blessed for having grown up that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the military was good to my dad. And uh, he loved the life. And I got to say for, you know, in terms of my mom and stuff like that, it, uh, not just my mom, but I mean, any, any wife of a military personnel is a, is a special woman. Because you're uprooted a lot. And uh, like my, my dad, a couple of times he was posted overseas. 
while we were still here. Like he went to Egypt for six months and he was in Cyprus for six months. So during my teen years, there was some time where he wasn't around. And so, you, you know, at, at that young age, it's where you start to, it's like, you got to take a little more responsibility because I was like the oldest one in the family. And growing up that way is, a, is not a lifestyle for everyone, but it's not a bad lifestyle. I have, I have no regrets at all. Right on. But I wouldn't join the military myself, though. <laughs> I can't stand being yelled at all the time. I <laughs> <laughs> would never fly for me. <laughs> you, you just mentioned your mom, uh, your mom's name? Ramond. Ramond? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She and my dad, unfortunately, they're still together, but uh, my mom's in a home. She uh, has uh, Alzheimer's, unfortunately, so we put her in a home, but uh, she's happy there. I mean, mm. everything's working out. I mean, we're all going our own, doing our own thing. You know, it's kind of weird having to visit one and visit the other. It's almost like being part of a divorced family or something. But yeah, no, it's, it's all working out. It's, it's good. But and when you say it takes a very special woman to be the wife of a military officer, oh, yeah. can you expand on that? Well, just, uh, well, I mean, there's always the, the fear, I'm sure, in the woman's mind of uh, what, if he gets called into active duty, of, of course. And, uh, well, just, you know, being like even posted for like six months at a time, that's, you know, it doesn't sound like a long time, but when you're, you're a single mom raising a couple of kids, six months seems like an awful long time. I would think so. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was tough for her because uh, well, the language barrier was one of the problems uh, because we're all French Canadians. And uh, my dad actually uh, wanted to join the military so he could learn to speak English. And... Uh, my mom started to pick it up, but uh, she never lost a French accent, which is funny. <laughs> yeah, even after all these years. <laughs> and well, anyway, yeah, it does take a special person to do it because you, from one day to the next, you don't really know what's going on. Right. right. But uh, yeah, she's pulled through. She made it. Fantastic. Yeah, she passed the audition. <laughs> and you said you're the oldest. I am. So yeah. siblings? Yeah, I have one brother. He's uh, four years younger than me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're close, really close. He's good. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right on. You'd like him. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. The, the piece of the new to you, I think is really interesting to have a little bit of local understanding and history as to who did that and why it's there. Right. Is, is there anything else on the Island that, uh, not off the top of my head, but, it, but there is a, there's a sense of satisfaction in knowing that, uh, like if I died tomorrow, I left a mark. And not everybody gets that chance because you can get swallowed up and forgotten so easy. You know what I mean? Like when you're in a big city, whatever, you're just another face in the crowd. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to be a lot harder, I guess is what I'm saying, in that kind of a situation to leave your mark, so to speak, right? But uh, hey, if I left a little bark, something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And as you know, like we also leave a mark with the people that we interact with in the community. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that uh, memories of the time that this person did that or that person did this or yeah. we did this together. There's just so many, so many of those, right? Yeah. I must yeah. be doing something, right? Nobody's firebombed my house yet. <laughs> Let's hope nobody's house gets firebombed anytime soon. By the way, I don't live on the island anymore. <laughs> I'm moving tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's, uh, if there's nothing else that you want to talk about, uh, we can end it off there. But uh, sure. like any last words that uh, you want to send out to the people of uh, Pender Island? Uh, I love Pender and I love the people on Pender. And let's just be, keep being a community and uh, look out for each other. Okay. That's all we have is each other. Keep looking out for each other. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. It's been fun talking with you, buddy. Yeah, thanks, dude. It's been <laughs> great. Thank you. Cheers. Well, thank you very much for listening to that. And to honor that interview, I decided I would come down to Found Road Trail. So Found Road Trail is located on the North Island, and you drive along Clam Bay Road to get to the trailhead. And once you start walking it, you enter on to what I think is the most dynamic and best trail on the island. You start off walking through cedar trees and ferns, so many of them, and it dips down a little bit into a, a little dry swampy area it is right now in the middle of summer and a ton of ferns and then maple trees and what I believe are birch trees as well too. And then you start making your way up a bit of a steep hill and you go through a fallen fir tree that has a huge chunk cut out of it to 
allow access for the trail. And off to the left, you can see the root system that's been pulled out of the ground a good 15 feet, maybe 20 feet tall. It looks so imposing. And this giant soil monster is staring at you as you make your way to the very top where you have mossy rocks that you have to walk through Arbutus and Fir Forest to get there. A ton of Arbutus leaves on the ground right now and you descend through the mossy rock area, then down steeper and steeper onto a little bit of a switchback, almost zigzags down through fir and cedar trees until you go down, down. And after about what I think is 25 minutes or half an hour walking, and at the end is the ocean access. I made my way back up and I found myself a place just off the trail on the mossy rocks near the very top. And and the moss on the rocks makes everything look so soft and round. You don't feel like there's too many sharp edges around here. And it feels as if almost they're just a bunch of little people that are existing in this place. They all seem to have personality. The reason I decided I would come to this place to wrap up the interview is because I wanted to go to a place on the island that I thought reflects Steve. And this trail has so many different characters and characteristics to it and it really reminded me of all the amazing characters and characteristics that Steve has demonstrated through his acting that I've seen over the years it's truly amazing so thank you Steve for doing this interview thank you for listening and thank you to Tarmigan Arts for helping to support this podcast and until next time